Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Eric Kane, friend of the show, covering all things Tennessee for VolQuest as well as the Locked on Vols podcast. And Eric, it's been a while, man. Appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Yeah, a little busy here today in Knoxville, but uh, doing well. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm sure it is very busy. So we'll start, of course, with the, the, the big news that happened today. You cover Tennessee. You cover all the sports. Was this something that was expected as far as the timing? And also with the punishment that got handled down, was, was that expected or did this come out of the blue for everybody there? Yeah, for the most part, it was expected. Um, you know, Tennessee received a notice, a notice of allegations um, almost this time last year. And, of course, it appealed. It appealed. Um, you know, it had 18 level one violations. And it appealed one of them. It accepted all of them. It appealed one of them, which is the monitor to uh, the failure to monitor charge against the university. And the NCAA came back, didn't accept it. So they went to a hearing in Cincinnati, and that was 85 days ago. And so that window, you have 90 days to, um, essentially after that hearing, the NCAA was given 90 days to come back with a final punishment. And I believe we're like, you know, day 85. So, you know, we, we got tipped off uh, yesterday that it was going to come down, um, you know, the morning, Friday morning, that uh, essentially news was going to happen today. And then by lunchtime at noon Eastern time, you're going to figure it out. We uh, ultimately got the news at 11 o'clock Eastern time. So, uh, the big thing in all this, is, and you mentioned it, is no postseason ball ban. And that's something that the university, uh, under you know Chancellor Donde Plowman, new athletics director Danny White, who inherited this whole situation, um, Randy Boyd, university president, and really the, the NCAA Committee on Infractions, you know, all were kind of working towards, um, you know, not having a ball ban because you didn't want to punish um, innocent student athletes that are here now that had nothing to do with what was going on. So. That was a big thing. Uh, we, you know, in, in terms of the fine, I think uh, everybody was expecting a pretty hefty one, so $8 million uh, wasn't shocking. Five-year probation, uh, no bowl ban, as we mentioned. The 28 scholarships that you are losing, uh, Tennessee has already self-imposed 18, and so you just have 10 more to go over the span of a five-year probation, which is just two a year, and so that's very manageable. Um, so at the end of the day, if you're a Tennessee fan, and I think if you're a, represent, a representative of the university, you kind of take it and say, "All right, we expected this. Um, you know, you don't want to pay eight million dollars, but that just kind of is what it is." But you know, no postseason bowl ban, and you can finally close this chapter and move on and focus on you know what's exciting right now, which is a football program that's revitalized under Josh Heupel. So for the current team, the loss of scholarships over the next five years is that the biggest effect that is going to have on, on what's uh, with the current team? You know, in my, I don't want to diminish that because, again, you don't – I mean, it's like currency, right? You don't – I guess it's a poor choice of words in this scenario, but <laughs> you don't want to lose scholarships in college football. Okay, You're trying to recruit with the Arkansas and the, the LSUs and the Auburns and the Georgias and the Floridas, Alabamas and all those teams. So you don't want to lose that. But Tennessee, again, in the last two cycles, have already self-imposed 18 scholarships. Um, you've already been kind of playing behind the A-ball in that regard. And now, over the course of five-year probation period, if you kind of math it out here, you can just go two a year. And I think it's going to be okay. So I really don't think it's going to be uh, – it's going to affect them that much. The common fan will not see the effects of this. Now, there's tons of other recruiting restrictions in there. Uh, you know, official visits. You, you, Tennessee's got a – Tennessee's already self-imposed 
some lack of student uh, official visits, and I believe, uh, I think, 36 official visits. Uh, Tennessee has to surrender in this situation. Some of the evaluation period in the spring and, and contact period and stuff like that. So, yeah, it'll it'll fuel it a little bit. For, but for the most part, if you're Tennessee, you've already been doing this the last two years. So, um, and, and you've seen a good year one under Josh Heifel and obviously an exciting year two, and you're trying to sustain now. So, um, of course, it's going to affect them a little bit. But overall, you've already been doing this the last two years. So knowing that it's you know you see that number two over two hundred violations, and then you start to see eighteen level one violations, and you're looking at it, it's like okay, well, Ole Miss fans are over here like how how are they not getting any postseason ban? But yeah, we got hammered for having so little amount of violations compared to what they had to go through. Is it simply because of the fact that Tennessee has been forthcoming? They've been ones that self imposed some stuff. Like is that why maybe? That's they got off light, quote unquote, compared to what maybe some other schools would have. Having that many violations uh, impacting them, I, I think that's a good way to phrase it. Um, you know, you know, essentially, Tennessee. Obviously, I mean, you go back to I think it was January the 11th or maybe January 12th of 2021, and it was the press conference with Chancellor Donnie Plowman, who was new in the position. Um, you know, former athletics director and former head coach, obviously Philip Former and Randy Boyd and all them. And you know, Chancellor Donnie Plowman came out and said. <laughs> You know, we did this and this and this. And you're sitting there in that press conference, you're saying, what are you doing? Why are you saying this? And she had a specific strategy, and she was going to go all in. And, you know, today, you look back at that decision, and you kind of applaud it. Uh, you know, she went with the direction, and, and, and that's kind of that's kind of the way it worked out for Tennessee. And they were so forthcoming. They paid for the investigation that spent 30 months to, to come to a conclusion. They paid for it. Uh, they offered up anything and everything to the NCAA, and the NCAA essentially said, I was on the media call uh, with the uh, the head of the NCAA Committee of Infractions, and, and a question was asked, you know, if Tennessee didn't play ball, if Tennessee wasn't so forthcoming with uh, self-penalties and, um, you know, all that type of stuff, what would have happened? And, uh, you know, the way she answered it was essentially Tennessee would have been hit with the postseason bowl ban for sure. And so I, I do think that that's the biggest difference. Tennessee fired a head coach, fired nine other individuals, um, we're going to have to pay a fine, pay for the investigation. Uh, they kind of they took the lumps in this, no doubt about it. But because they play ball, you know, they can potentially play ball in the postseason. How much do you think the current state of college football factors into this? Because we're talking about a time where this was definitely unacceptable, but now with NIL, you see that certain programs are able to to get their players and and uh, have them benefit in certain ways that's different in college football and college sports altogether now than it was at that time. Yeah, I don't think it played much into, uh, into this specific case. Again, all this happened before name, image, and likeness was you know, available in college athletics. Um, and still, today, you're not supposed to use that for inducement, obviously. Um, and, and there's you know, sides in the report and part of the 18-level-1 18, 18 violations and the over 200 violations total you know, was inducement, you know, paying a student athlete. It was cited in one of the, one of the pages It was 70 pages long in the report that you essentially paid a, a prospect to not go on another official visit and you pay the down payment on somebody's mom's car and stuff like that. So, you know, that stuff obviously still not allowed. And so I don't think that it really played that much, you know, into the consideration because all this happened before name, image, and likeness, the clear, you know, the way that it was expressed in the media call earlier today, 
know, the clear disregard for following the rules, essentially, by Jeremy Pruitt and members of the staff and his recruiting staff at the time, and not even being bothered to, to kind of hide it, to be completely frank with you, um, you know, kind of goes back to what I was saying and what Don DePlowman said a couple of years ago, just the, um, the depth that was taken um, you know, in order to kind of cheat in recruiting. And so I don't think that it played that much a factor into it simply because this happened all before that. But still, you know, you're, you're clearly breaking the rules, and a lot of those rules are still stand today. Speaking with Eric Kane of the VolQuest.com website of a part of On3 Network as well as the host of the Locked on Vols podcast here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Outline. So, Eric, the fan reaction from this, does anyone really care? Is it kind of like, oh, yeah, that's that's great, we'll move on? Is there any sort of feelings towards this or is people just saying yeah we don't care that's great postseason still alive let's get on to the sec media days and football season that's a good question um you know for the most part i mean you know everybody hates the ncaa tennessee fans hate the ncaa arkansas fans hate the ncaa and that's just you know kind of a common denominator with every fan base mostly um but the, the common fan is not going to see the re- recruiting restrictions because again they've been in place the last two years and no one knew about it uh, the common fan is not going to feel the $8 million fine. Um, you know, that, that, that's just kind of part of it. The big thing was uh, being allowed to compete for, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl game, a college football playoff, an SEC championship, you know, postseason bowl games, uh, which is where this program is right now. And so, you know, the fact that, you know, a postseason bowl ban is, is not happening, I think a lot of the fan base is happy and is thrilled. And I, I think, again, more than anything, you're closing this chapter and, and you're moving on. And now, not that I think it hurt Josh Hoplin recruiting that much, but there was some negative recruiting going on from other teams in the SEC. And, you know, as you should, if there's a cloud over a university that you're trying to beat out for a certain prospect, you should be like, I mean, why do you want to go there? They might not even be able to compete for a college football playoff appearance with everything going on over there. You can finally close that book and say, hey, we know our direction. We're going to be competing for a national championship. Come play for us. And I think that's going to be big for Josh Heupel moving forward. So I think the fans are, are pleased with this overall. Um, but you're still going to have some fans saying, well, why do we get level with all these uh, recruiting restrictions? You know, when Ole Miss did this and Kansas did this and, you know, all that type of stuff as well. That just kind of goes is par for the course. And speaking of recruiting, there's a big-time running back recruit, Braylon Russell, who's from Arkansas. And his top three is down to Tennessee, South Carolina, Arkansas. So first of all, what does the running back position look like at Tennessee and what's your feel for Braylon Russell and the Tennessee connections? Yeah, Braylon Russell, man, he, he's a he's a fun prospect to look at. I mean, 200 and what guys, 45 pounds, 40 pounds. He's huge, but he's so elusive, has great balance, and um, he's a guy that Josh Heupel wants and the staff wants, and of course, you know, tonight's decision is going to be a big one. I think that no matter what, whoever he chooses, Tennessee or Arkansas, I do believe that it's going to be, you know, you got to be recruiting this guy up until National Signing Day. I think it would be easier if he were to commit to Tennessee for Arkansas to flip him than the inverse of that, if he were to commit to Arkansas again for Tennessee to flip him. That's just my opinion. Uh, but he's a guy they won, obviously. They want to pair him with Peyton Lewis in this, in this running back class for the class of 2024, and it gives kind of a great diverse look in the backfield. Um, as the, the position overall for Tennessee in the running back room, I think it's one of the deepest, honestly, in the SEC. Now, there's not a you know a Superman in that group, but there are three guys who have played, are experienced, and have been super productive in the SEC, and Jabari Small, and Jalen Wright, and Dylan Sampson. So 
All three of those guys are going to play a big role carrying the football for Tennessee this year. And I think Jalen Wright is poised for a breakout year. He continues to put on good weight. He's one of the fastest guys on the team and in the Southeastern Conference. And he can run between the tackles well as well. So uh, running back position is pretty good, but obviously really want to add this one tonight. And it's going to be a it's going to be a nail biter because I think it truly is just kind of a, a coin flip in terms of how close it is between Tennessee and Arkansas. Well, I'm sure whichever school ends up getting them, they'll celebrate, and the other school will be like, yeah, we didn't want them anyways. It's kind of the par for the course of how recruiting goes yeah. in the SEC. But uh, the other thing, too, Eric, is you know, knowing with Tennessee, they're coming off of one of, if not the most memorable year they've had in quite some time in football. Of course, beating Alabama and uh, knowing the, the season they had and uh, the success that they had. But now it's a new year. Now you turn the page. How do you follow that up? So what is it going into SEC media days or even into the season in general what is the big question for Tennessee, and how can they and will they replicate or do better than what they did this past season? Yeah, I like this team. I like this makeup. I mean, there's there's some questions uh, for Tennessee, just like there's some questions for you know every team in, in the SEC in America right now. you got to replace some, some great guys on the offensive line. You've got to replace a Bolitnikoff Award winner receiver and another another wide receiver in Cedric Tillman, who was a stud. And, of course, you got to replace Hendon Hooker, who – has been one of the country's best quarterbacks each of the past two seasons. So those are big question marks. But I, I think this defense uh, is you know took a step last year, and I think it's going to be deeper and poised to take another step this year. And if you're a defender for Tennessee, I mean, obviously you don't want to have any points scored on you and all that, but really you just need to play complimentary football. You need to be good on third and fourth down, good in the red zone, and, and you know create some takeaways. And Tennessee took a major step in all those categories last year trying to get the football back to the offense. So I think Tennessee's going to be in a better position defensively. Offensively, comes down to the quarterback position. You know, Joe Milton's been in college football for about a decade now. He's hmm. arguably got the best arm strength in America, and uh, he has all the tools. Uh, he looked good when he came in for Hendon Hooker last year and certainly in some mop-up duty situations. But can he be consistent week after week? That's the biggest question in Knoxville right now, and uh, obviously – if he goes, that offense will go, and I think Tennessee will be you know, close, if not right, where they were last year, in my opinion. What is it that Joe Milton needs to uh, improve on the most from what you saw at the end of last season going into this season? Well, his biggest thing was accuracy. You know, as a starting quarterback in Michigan and for about five and a half quarters at Tennessee, um, you know, early in his career, uh, he was not very accurate with the football. But he improved with that. You know, last year, and again, mop-up duty is mop-up duty. You go in there, and the game's in hand and everything. But he threw for nearly 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. And then he looked really good in the bowl game against Clemson. Didn't have Miles Murphy on defense, understandably. But um, three touchdowns, you know, had 265 passing yards, whatever the case was. You know, for Joe, I think, you know, he's shedded a little bit of weight to kind of help with his mobility and extending plays. That's something that Hendon Hooker was so good about as well that, very underrated about his game. And, uh, again, I just think just kind of putting it all together. He's never lacked for confidence. Um, this is Joe Milton's football team, and um, I think he's ready to, to lead this offense and see what happens. So uh, one thing I know that has been talked about in the SEC, of course, when Oklahoma and Texas join in, in the schedules and everything, in 2024, Arkansas and Tennessee play each other. And actually in favor, Arkansas got a great home schedule. LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Texas. It's going to be a great one. But I was looking at Tennessee's schedule. Y'all get Bama at home, Florida at home, Kentucky at home, Mississippi State at home, but you go to Arkansas, to Georgia, to Oklahoma, and to Vanderbilt. 
Do you feel like that schedule is a little top-heavy, a little unfair, or is everybody, hey, that's just the way it is. You're going to go out and you're going to play those games no matter what. And mostly it's just kind of the way it is. I mean, if you're you're playing a Southeastern Conference schedule every year, it's now expanded. If you're Tennessee, you played Alabama every single year. So hmm. you play Alabama, you play Georgia, who's been the king of college football the last couple of years. Of course, Florida has always been a big rivalry game. So you're kind of used to it. I was hoping, because of course everybody's got to play Texas or Oklahoma, I was really hoping that you could get a kind of a battle for the UTs, Tennessee, Texas, Nico, Yamaliava against Arch Manning. I think that would have been a whole lot of fun. But going to Oklahoma makes a whole lot of sense because you have the Josh Heupel uh, storyline there, and the media is going to blow that over the uh, over the heads of all college football each of the next couple of seasons in preparation for that game. So it is a tough schedule, no doubt about it. But you know, I, th- I think the way Tennessee looks at it, it's, you know, it's, it's nothing different. It's been dealing with that the last couple of years just like a lot of other teams in the SEC have. I know it's hard to predict, but since you brought it up, is there some sort of maybe fear in the back of the mind of Tennessee fans that if Venables doesn't get it done at Oklahoma, that Heupel would leave to go to Oklahoma? Or is everyone pretty confident that he's there for the long haul in Knoxville? You can never rule that out. I mean, you can. That's where he played football, and that's and he won a whole lot of big games. He's got great memories there. I will say I understand that Bob Stoops is no longer the head football coach there, but as long as Bob Stoops is involved in the program, I do not think that would ever be a possibility. That's just my opinion. Um, but I think Josh Heupel's happy here. He's happy with what he's built, the turnaround of the program, um, where this where this program is headed, and trying to get its stability and all that. So I think he's really excited to be here in Knoxville. And, again, you can never rule it out, but I, I wouldn't be worrying about that too much right now if you're a Tennessee fan. Yeah, you probably got bigger fish to fry and uh, worrying about uh, everything else going on in the SEC. So you just got to keep doing what you're doing. But it should be a great football season. It should be great SEC media days. And I don't know, I guess, are you happy it's in Nashville? It's a little closer for you guys, I'm sure, and making the trip. Uh, I don't know how much closer, but it seems like it would be a better place and better destination for Hoover than Hoover. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's always fun in Hoover. Always have a good time. But you're talking about a two-and-a-half-hour drive from Knoxville to Nashville. So hmm. I'll be heading down Thursday morning. Tennessee, I believe, is the last team <laughs> to, to get in front of the podium for SEC Media Day, so it'll be a one-day trip for me. I'm thrilled. Yeah, I bet so. And, hey, people in Arkansas are happy because it's just, hey, you get on I-40 and drive, and that's pretty much all you got to do to get there. So should be a great time, no doubt about it. Eric, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Have a great weekend, and we'll be catching up with you at SEC Media Days. Sounds good, man. Appreciate you.